the future. A relentless, desperate wasteland ravaged by nuclear war. With the destruction of the internet and search engines such as Google, accurate information about the past is traded like currency. Two brave travelers are commissioned with the dangerous task of going back through time to gather as much information as they can to find out about the late 20th and early 21st centuries in hopes that a future society may rebuild what was lost and avoid the horror of a smoldering radioactive planet. But there is a catch. The travelers journey back across eons of time is a one-way trip, leaving them stranded in the past. Wait, what? There's no way to communicate their findings to the future other than burying reinforced time capsules in the ground. In the hopes that one day recordings such as these will be unearthed to provide a glimpse of the world that once was. This is the mission of the crispy coated robots. And it must succeed. Hey, it's Jim. And it's Joseph. And it's George. Welcome once again. George is here today. Yay! I wow, am he's here. actually here. He's not I, phoning it in like yeah, last week. Episode. Last <laughs> week, okay, just since you brought it up. Last week, I had jury duty. I got stuck downtown, and I barely made it. I, I didn't even make it to the studio. I, I had to stop at my sister-in-law's, use her phone uh, to, to get on the podcast. Remotely. She needs a better phone. No, no, no big deal, George. It's just the future of the world that's swinging. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. No, I know. No, I know. no worries. No worries. I had to, <laughs> as, as I, I came clean at the end, but my list was not what it normally is. Normally, it's a spectacular list like today. Oh, my gosh. Horrible. Uh, but uh, so <laughs> I, I cheated a little bit. But, uh, you know, anyway, I, I fall upon the mercy of our listeners and the future. Uh, but uh, today, episode 116, uh, we are discussing the roles of English actor Maurice Joseph Micklewhite. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> Good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. Good night, Michael Caine. Sleep, sleep tight. The best uh, Cockney accent actor ever. <laughs> yes, yes. And and these roles are uh, to to clarify, it is he's been in so many movies. Uh, these are are what are we saying? Notable roles. Anything goes. Kind of like our Nicolas Cage episode from a, a few episodes ago. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That's kind of what the future is asking for on this. Uh, so to speak. But Joseph, what is our second topic? I love this. We are talking about the crutch, the walking stick, better yes. known as the cane. The That's cane. right. The best use of canes in a movie. All right. So we're moving on. Michael Kane, best and worst. Number five, Joseph, what you got? Okay, uh, this started it out for him. I'm no particular order because it's good, bad, and ugly, right? No particular order, but this has to be mentioned. Uh, this is what got him his notoriety. This set the standard, if you will, for Michael Caine. That uh -oh. is 1966 Alfie. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Alfie uh, is, you know, he he plays a young Lothario that's just, you know, all about the women. The I'm birds. making love to Shelly Winters. Yeah, Shelly Winters, <laughs> man. He's he's all about it. And uh, the, the great thing about this is that his accent was so thick then that Shelly Winters could not understand him. So had to wait for him to stop speaking during the scenes <laughs> to respond because she's like, I have no idea what he's saying. Great movie. Great movie. So Alfie, 1966. Any, anytime you can silence Shelly Winters. That's, that's a, that's <laughs> a Winters. All right. So George, what is your number five? Michael Caine. All right. So this is the movie. We've talked about this movie before, actually, but this is the movie that prevented him from accepting an Oscar nominate well actually the he won the oscar for hannah and his her sisters uh, because he was busy filming this movie this is jaws the Re- <laughs> revenge he plays uh, a character by the name of hoagie okay uh, i don't i don't know of a last name just just hoagie uh, and the the tagline uh for the movie poster this time it's personal I didn't realize at the time, because I saw this in the theater, I didn't realize that it was intended for the audience uh, when they <laughs> when they posted that. But you can see why it, the Rotten Tomatoes delivers a rare approval of 0%. I've seen low numbers. This is the only one that I know of that uh, is 0%. But it's, it's the Jaws franchise. It's the final installment, because after this, they couldn't make any more. But well, the shark so, follows the the plot is so the shark follows uh, Lorraine Gary's character, who is Brody's wife, all the way to like the Caribbean. Oh, I, because yeah. she's the shark is able to actually track her and and get the revenge that she finally wants for and Sheriff Brody killing the so other shark. So much wrong, so much wrong. <laughs> First of all, sharks don't swim in the, in those waters. Uh, but anyway, the fact that it beats them there, they get on a plane, and the shark is waiting for it. Is personal. It is all. It is so awful. Uh, and this one takes place. We we talk about this on a on a previous episode. Uh, it takes place around Christmas and New Year's. All the others take place in in the summertime, you know. So that's another problem. Uh, but um, when Michael Caine was was asked about this, uh, he said he accepted this role after seeing the first line of the script was "Fade in Hawaii." That's all he needed to know. He was in. I'm going to make a movie in Hawaii. He had never been. And when he was asked about this movie in an interview after it had come out, he said he had never seen it by, by all accounts. It's terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built and that's terrific. So that's this, awesome. this is one of Michael Caine's, they, they call it paycheck movies where, Hey, I'm just, I'm getting paid to pretend in a beautiful place, a wonderful time of year. Who cares what the movie is about? But Jaws: The Revenge. All right, mine's oh, kind of uh, it's it's one of the bad ones. I'm okay. I'll I'll specify. <laughs> my, I think it's good or bad. Mine, <laughs> honestly, uh, this is so bad it's good. We talked about my selection in the previous one of our fan favorite episodes, our best disaster movie episode, and uh, Michael Caine was in a couple disaster movies, including the Beyond the Poseidon Adventure uh, travesty. Yes. But mine is one I saw in 1978 as a kid in the Irwin Theater in Bloomington, Illinois. I oh, think, 
think me and my, a friend of mine were the only people in the theater to watch the swarm. And I would told to told by my friend, Matt Stevens, RIP that any movie that has like 25 boxes at the bottom and has a bunch of stars labeled and they have like Fred McMurray in there for one scene when a train crashes. <laughs> he this, says, this is the film that Fred McMurray died after making this. that tells you how bad it is. This so is you, my number two, Jim. And so, you know, you're, you know, you're in trouble uh, with that. And, 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 you know, being from Houston and having the whole Houston burn to the ground at the end, but Michael Caine and Catherine Ross are trying to find the bees. It's Michael Caine versus the bees. Richard Widmark is the, uh, admiral or general or whatever oh you got you got everybody in this Henry he's got fonda yeah Lee i mean Grant. widmark's got that crazy thing he does with his eye oh what do you mean bees <laughs> you want me to shoot the bees <laughs> you know it's kind of like this crazy general for no reason at all yeah henry fonda's in there for a minute and it reminds me of the scene from Step Brothers because he has like a, a test tube and he's like, yes. he's a, he looks at a bee in a micro, micro microscope <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And then bees come and attack that thing and he's gone. Yeah. So, um, maybe, Slim maybe Pickens, Patty Duke, Jose Ferreira, Ben Johnson, everybody's in it. And the reason I'm, I'm dropping those names, Michael Caine signed on to participate it without even bother to reading the script again, because all of the big names that were already in it, he felt, oh, this has got to be. There's got to be a good bet. And up know. until then, Irwin Allen did have a good track record. You had oh, beside, yeah. you had yeah. beside adventure and you had the towering Inferno, both that did, you know, they were not very good movies, but they did well at the box office and a big payday. But the swarm is memorable for me just watching it and seeing that whole Richard Chamberlain get attacked by bees and, <laughs> and actually fall on the actual detonator blowing up his. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Anyways, the swarm My, stays Michael Caine said himself, this is the worst movie he's ever made. Uh, which, which is saying something. After, after 78, he made Oof. some bad ones. <laughs> Joseph, what is your number five walking? Okay. Pain? So, uh, you know, we, we, we just have to say that Fred Astaire is just oh, yeah. amazing person. Uh, you know, he, he, his performances were amazing. He used a cane, uh, to really, to really, you know, enhance, you would say his performance and all that. But it's not his movie that I'm talking about here. I am oh. talking about the 1974 <laughs> what a, what a Young setup. Frankenstein, uh, oh, Putting on the Ritz. This is the Mel Brooks slapstick spoof. Uh, it's so great because this is Gene Wilder, Peter Boyle uh, on stage showing that his creation is civilized. And how do they do that? <laughs> they dress in tops and tails, you know. Oh, mad about town. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, this is great. Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein. That's right. But the best part of the use of the cane here, because we are talking about canes, uh, is the fact that Peter Boyle, <laughs> you know, doesn't have a lot of coordination. So it's like <laughs> this yeah. sort of like stomp, stomp. <laughs> and doesn't he, doesn't he crush the stage bulbs with his big <laughs> he does. shoes? He, he yeah. does. That's what causes yeah. the fire. So there you go. Young Frankenstein, nineteen seventy four. Oh man, we we've got a contender here, folks. Yes, uh, <laughs> George, you're number five. Uh, it's Doctor House's King. Uh, this a is Fox my number Network. two. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. great. So it makes uh, it in. You want to talk House about makes it? it? Yeah. No, 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 no. You, you, you know more than I do. I, I just okay. kind of like the way he used it. So, so uh, the notorious, cynical, cruel, uh, sarcastic, but undeniably a genius, Doctor Gregory House, 
portrayed by Hugh Laurie. Um, he has this cane uh, that he moves around with uh, this kind of adjustable folding cane and everything. Uh, do you know how he came to where he had to, to use the cane? Do you know the, the sort they actually have an episode. Do you remember that Jim? No, I do not. So he sustained a leg injury uh, uh, caused by, and he was playing golf or something that left him with the severe pain for the, the rest of his life and an infarction uh, to his leg. And, uh, but yeah, it is such a part of the character and he is so strong and so self-assured and so strong willed to see him with this, this handicap uh, I think really uh, gives another dimension to the, the character. Uh, but uh Dr. House's cane makes it into the canister for the future. Nice. My number five comes from Samuel L. Jackson, mostly seen in a movie in a wheelchair, but in one scene when he's actually walking, chasing after Bruce Willis with his walking cane, they call him Mr. Glass. Mr. His, Glass. His bones were so fragile. And he would, as a kid, he had to go through all that whole, you know, treatment and stuff like that but mr glass walks his famous scene where he walks and chases him with a cane and then loses it and falls down the stairs on the chase for bruce willis uh great Spoiler. scene great character uh uh and i i you know what i never did see the sequel i had, I had it sitting on my dvr for the longest time but i'm going just purely by unbreakable and mr glass is my number five you know cane i will user. say if you the the sequel split um is it split or what's the glass yeah split is, glass is the last one with all of them. Okay. Glass. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the third one, it actually makes the first two movies better. I, I will say I enjoyed unbreakable more after watching it really, it really ties it together. Jim, you, you should do it. Really I know ties the room together. Really ties. Now we're really confused. Now we are really confused. No, but I mean, it, it really does. I, I saw it in the theater and I appreciated and liked unbreakable more after seeing the third one let's move on now to the michael kane roles joseph what's your number five this is a movie channel classic from our, our childhood which is a 1981 victory two, i think no oh, victory, oh, victory. Oh, victory. Okay, okay i went with victory okay. uh with it you know it is uh Basically, the longest yard set in Europe during World War II. <laughs> Without the uh, Nazis. <laughs> Without the, Against the Nazis. We can win right. this. Right. We <laughs> can win this. We can win I this. Say we go, I say we go back and win. What? So, the title's here. We can escape. <laughs> we can win this. Okay. So, so basically, they, they can escape to freedom or they can finish the soccer game. And he's going to finish it because on <laughs> principle, they're showing that the Nazis can be beat, right? That's the that's whole right. point. You know, well, we, if you, we've, if you have Pele, yes, of course you can. That's right. Yeah. Pele and Sylvester Stallone, who I don't think really understood why he was in the movie. Uh, <laughs> it was John, it's a John Houston movie. I mean, they have, it was uh, a John Houston movie. It, Sido's in there too. You know, it's really good. It's really good. But Kane's part in it is, you know, he's, he's, He's not only the captain of of his his the military, but he's also captain of this soccer football team. Yeah. So Would somebody uh, please mention these are POWs playing soccer against Nazis. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that, right. That's so, the title was Escape to Victory, but they changed it just to Victory. So, so it's like Stalag's thirteen, yeah. you know, mixed yeah. in with you know, Pele. like I said, the longest yard. Yeah, Pele. You know, <laughs> Pele was good. Um, I tell you. I still feel bad for the guy 
who they had to break his leg. Uh, oh, so yeah, that's right. The, uh, so what a Stallone could, yeah, yeah. Stallone could be goalie because he had other skills, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't awful. know. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. I remember <laughs> that. Uh, we can win this. <laughs> Hatch. I think his name is Hatch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was. Hatch. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that scene in the tunnel when they can escape and they decide to go back and play the soccer game. I'm like, stupid. <laughs> all right. All right. George, what is your number uh, four? Okay, so this this one is one of my kind of out there roles for him. Doesn't hold well, doesn't hold up well today. Okay, it's Brian De Palma's Dress to Kill from 1980. Still a good and movie though, but I know what you're saying. It, it's basically an an homage to Hitchcock's Psycho. Okay, uh, Kane is in the role of a psychiatrist, uh, Robert Elliot. Okay, uh, which is funny because he's. He appears as Elliot and something else I'm going to talk about later. Uh, but uh, his patient is murdered, and then he gets drawn into the case, and suspicions falls upon another patient and everything. And But I, I'll tell you, his performance, if you haven't seen it, the first pass, it seems kind of off and a little wooden throughout it. You know, Kane never tips his hand you know, what's, what's happening. But once you know the gag about what's really happening with Kane's character secret, that whole veneer of respectability and the weirdness and the way he behaves makes a lot of sense. And, um, this was a real out there choice for Michael Kane, Sir Michael Kane, uh, to, uh, perform and, and do this. But he, I, I put it on my list because it shows that he was willing to, to kind of break the conventional boundaries and not take a safe role. Um, when you look at Alfie compared to this, uh, uh, this, is, this is pretty gritty. And the part that doesn't hold up well is there's, uh, some, there's a transvestite character in, in the movie without giving too much away. And the way that it, it is treated is not very respectful of trans people. So, All right. So on, on the strength of Dress to Kill, Michael Caine was offered a role in 1981, and he took it. It was the second film by writer-director Oliver Stone, who we oh, know went no. on to bigger and better <laughs> things. I know uh, what you're going to say. <laughs> Oof. He, Oof. Took the, he took the role in the hand after John Voight said no, and Dustin Hoffman and Christopher Walken both said no. He decided to go with Michael Caine. He plays a comic book uh, uh, you know, uh, author who... Uh, artist who actually loses his hand <laughs> and the yeah. hand takes on a murderous uh, life of its own. So oh, the movie, yeah. the hand <laughs> was parodied greatly by SCTV with my bloody hand <laughs> with Dave Thomas doing his great Mike, Mike, uh, Michael Caine impersonation. But this movie is just, just horrible. But I do remember like Joseph said, a movie channel classic because they would show the preview all the time. And that's that one scene where the hand attacks Michael Caine's throat. <laughs> I, you know, again, that, the him. lesson yeah. of, you know, you really need to read the scripts, you know, you really <laughs> need to read them, Michael. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, and I, I, I hope I'm like, there were three Michael Caine movies in the eighties that like the movie channel just must've had like <laughs> in, in the corner because yeah. they showed them every week. And that was uh victory. That was the hand. And I hope, I hope you guys, well, you can talk about it if you want educating Rita. Those oh, were the yeah. three that, oh yeah. my God, they were on there the whole time. So 
There you go. There you go. So my choice is number four is the hand from 1981. A horrible Gotta hand movie. it to him. But yep. you know, like you said, when you were about to, you said something about a hand, you know, in your last one, like, hey, don't give away my my uh, movie. <laughs> he had the upper hand. But uh, oh, yeah. so number four, we move on now to number four in the walking cane department. Joseph, what you got? Okay. Uh 1958, touch of evil. Uh, this is American film noir with Arson Wells, uh, Wells playing Whit Masterson. Uh, you know, uh, he, uh, well, he's not playing Whit Masterson. He, that's who wrote it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that would be a different film. <laughs> that would be Wasn't a completely <laughs> different film. Uh, uh, but basically, he plays this corrupt cop, sheriff, and all that. You know, Arson Wells, well into his weight at this point. You know, carries around this this. This cane they, they that just called that him Orson Well, at, <laughs> yeah, at, that point, yeah, that at, at a certain point, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, why was his name Quinlan Sheriff Quinlan? That was it. Uh, but uh, the only th- thing more distracting than the, the cane was probably the uh Mexican Charlton Heston, oh, uh, yeah. which which really just didn't work out well. But uh, anyways, Touch of Evil, 1958. I'll tell you what, though. I love this movie's opening scene, though. It is one of the greatest movie opening scenes where where you have that bomb. Spoiler. You have that bomb go off and, and you see the guy place the bomb and then the car. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. All right. All right. So George, what's your number four? Uh, this is Yoda's cane. Technically it's called uh, the Gimmer stick and the Gimmer stick was, you know, you're talking to a star Wars fan here. What do you expect? Uh, the Gimmer stick was, a <laughs> I wasn't, cane. I wasn't thinking of the term a, fan. It's I called a Gimmer stick. If the <laughs> fan was not coming to mind whenever you <laughs> called it a Gimmer stick on one of the planets. And <laughs> Actually, Dagobah. It's also called a skirt stick. It's, it's from the, the Gimmer bush, which grew on Dagobah. Okay. Dagobah. The, the planet that before he the explosion that happened <laughs> early in <laughs> Star Wars, A New Hope, the Gimmer stick had post in space. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's enough. Okay. Oh, you're done? Uh, you, yeah. Oh, I want to hear some more Gimmer stick. Yeah, I know. I got, I got your Gimmer stick right here. <laughs> I thought you had a like a Lady Elaine Fairchild whole dissertation on the Gimmer stick. I could, but I'm, I'm going to abstain. Okay. All right. My, you, you won that round, sir. <laughs> My number four is probably one of the most famous props out of the movie Jurassic Park. I'm talking about John Hammond's cane, which actually has a mosquito. <laughs> A pre-preserved mosquito in the cane uh, top and and amber, yeah, yeah, and amber. So he has basically when we see the uh, explanation cartoon of how they DNA the uh, the uh, dinosaurs, John Hammond carries that around with him in his cane. Uses it, of course, in the great scene where he says, "Welcome to Jurassic Park." Um, pretty much hangs around the whole movie. Is even included with the John Hammond action figure. You get huh? a mini version of the. Uh, who's the nerd now? You have the John Hammond <laughs> action with the action figure, <laughs> <laughs> just like the just like the Yoda figure has the Gimmer stick. <laughs> <laughs> you buy, of course, the right product. There's a lot of cheap knockoffs on the market, but if you're looking, if you're a true collector, <laughs> you That's might right. want to go with the Todd McFarlane toys, or maybe something a little. Oh, bit the more. fact you know Todd McFarlane that that right there out of you. <laughs> That right there. This is uh, this is my number two, Jim. Oh, good, 
Good, good. Yeah. So we we have a match, and John Hammond's famous cane will make it into the uh all right capsule there. There we go. That is a good one. That is a good one. All right. So let's move on now to Michael Kane rolls after our number three. We'll take a little intermission. So Joseph, what's your number three? This has to be the most notorious film. Uh, George, you mentioned how uh, certain films of his do not hold up. This one, I don't even think you can find it anywhere because it's so offensive now. I'm talking about the 1984 Blame It on Rio. Oh, Uh, yeah. This is the tagline. You can blame the night, blame the wine, blame the moon in her eyes. But when all else fails, you better dot, dot, dot. Blame it on Rio. That's right. I'm talking about the pedophile uh, (laughs) character. Uh, I mean, Michael Caine plays Matthew Hollis that goes on vacation with his friend, uh, Victor Lyons. And (laughs) they they have uh, they have uh, their daughters, their 17 year old daughters. And Michael Caine, who is sort of going through a divorce kind of thing hooks up with his best friend's daughter who in real life uh, was played by uh, Michelle Johnson, who had to get special permission because she had just turned 17. She wasn't even 18 yet to do the nude scenes. Put this in perspective. Michael Caine was 32 years older than she was in this movie. So it's just, it like, it knows it's wrong. This movie knows it's wrong from the beginning. Ugh. But they knew just, I mean, based on what you said, the poster said, they knew that they they had crossed a line. But, hey, let's let's see if we can make some dough off of this. And, yeah, a lot of people made money on those, those you know, those teen jiggly movies. So they put Michael Caine in one of them. That's just crazy. But anyway, <laughs> uh, George, what is your number three? My number three, we've, we've talked about before. This is a what I consider a good movie for him, a comedy where he plays Lawrence Jameson from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, 1988. And uh, what's perfect about this is by the, the time in, in his career that this movie is, is made, Kane has played plenty of these charming upper-class kind of rogues, okay? Uh, so... When you see him in this role, we're very accustomed to that. And uh, he's um, he's in the French Riviera. He's a con man, a swindler, who latches on to rich women and then cons them out of their cash. But he plays against or opposite of Steve Martin, who has his own, you know, main just he was at the height, I think, of, of his, you know, comedic career there. And for Michael Caine to be able to hold his own against that, um, where he's not just the straight man through the whole thing. There's a there's a scene where um, Steve Martin is pretending to be paralyzed uh, in, in front of a group of people, and um, he reaches over. Y'all remember this? He's like this German doctor. Tiggle, 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 you know. <laughs> and, I mean, he's actually being comedic and it's even though it's a silly movie dirty rotten scoundrels it, it has some some heart to it you know there's a moment where michael Caine runs out to meet the female con artist after putting her on the plane and you know kind of a sensitive moment in, in this comedy but again it makes my list because 
anybody that can hold their own when Steve Martin was at his peak comedic ability uh, get gets my vote, gets recognition. So Lawrence Jamison. All right. Nice. My number three comes from uh, a very faithful and very good adaptation of uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And uh-huh. the Muppets Christmas Carol would not work <laughs> if Michael Caine did not play it. Uh, and I saw the behind the scenes of this. Play it straight, as if the Muppets were the greatest actors of all time. So he played it straight. He played Scrooge straight. And that's one one reason why I think the movie works so well. It's one of the better uh, uh, Muppet films, too. And it's one of the better adaptations of A Christmas Carol, more palatable than some other ones for the entire family to watch. So, uh, like I said, that the strength of his version of Scrooge and playing it completely straight, not goofing off with the Muppets and doing some crazy stuff, he is... Playing the character like yeah. just like all George C. Scott would, <laughs> but yeah. Kermit the Frog is his uh, co-star. So uh, my number. Yeah, three. I, I agree. I, I wondered if we were going to see this uh, pop up here. That's a good one. My number three is uh, Scrooge from the Muppet Christmas Carol. So I guess it's time now to reach into the grab bag of uh, let's see here intermissions, and we got rain on a car roof. Oh boy, they just don't get any better, do they? <laughs> Uh, Jim, uh, can can you close the sunroof? (laughs) Tin roof, rusty. We need to teach Tom editing. <laughs> On now to Kane scene number three. What you got, Joseph? 1997, Fifth Element. Uh, this has to go on here because uh, I love this Red. movie so much. Ruby, Ruby it's Ruby Rod <laughs> by Chris Tucker. Uh, Anybody should do this. <laughs> uh, so he's sort of this intergalactic, you know, uh, radio celebrity personality. And he has this cane that also serves as his microphone uh, to record his shows on. And, you know, this is this is, I think, everyone's first time to see sort of the, you know, lightning speed delivery of Tucker because yeah. he's all over the place in this movie, his energy and the way he articulates everything with this cane. is just amazing. So fifth element, 1907. So do you know, do you know who they originally had for that role and ask and he denied him? Michael Jackson. Who? Prince. Oh, okay. Really? Wow. Really? When you, look, when you look at, at Ruby, when, when you look at Tucker's performance, um, I can see, it's not a prince impersonation, but I can see that over the top uh, personality there. Absolutely. Uh, no, but, uh, I mean, now that you say it, George, I'm serious. Now that you say it, I totally get it because he sort of has that androgyny kind of thing yeah, going, yeah. you know, in his performance, but he's definitely like a sexual thing. There's scenes that start indicate that, but uh, I can totally see Prince in it now. That's yep. interesting. Well, there you go. George, you're number three walking cane. Okay, this is from 1971, and uh, this is, I actually have two from 1971. This is Willy Wonka's cane. This is my number three also, yeah. All right. Uh, So, 
Let's get it on the board here. You're talking about on there because I knew you guys were going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With the bong, bong. Willie Walker comes out. Oh, yeah. The crippled walk. (laughs) Such a great opening. They said, yeah, Gene Wilder improv that. Well, I don't know that he improv it. He he said that he wanted that in the, the movie. So that was his idea, I know for sure. Uh, because he wanted the audience the whole way through to be guessing, is this guy for real or is he faking it or what? Even right up to the very end, uh, which we've talked about before. Yes. But this cane was obtained by construction manager, prop man, uh, Hendrik Winans in uh, Bavaria. Okay. In very close proximity to where the studios, where the, the picture was filmed in Bavaria. And it is a vintage uh, hallmarked cane from wood, has a metal grip on top with the scroll designs and metal tip at the bottom. And at the end of the production, uh, Hendrik gave it to his son after filming with with a letter of authenticity to it. Uh, But yeah, this is going to make it into the future. Yes, very nice. Willy Wonka's cane. There's There's our three. So we now move on to the number two, Michael Caine Rose. Joseph, what you got? You know, of all of his performances, uh, this one's near and dear. Tom, can you go ahead and, and play that that opening that opening uh, audio? Good Thanks, night, Tom. you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. Yes, this is from 1999 Cider House Rules. Uh, so, uh, anyways, he plays uh, this farm doctor, if you will, you know, uh, someone that lives in the rural area of Maine. Uh, and he's a very complicated character. You know, uh, he is uh, Dr. Wilbur Lark, uh, and he basically performs illegal abortions when necessary, you know, on that. He is an addict of ether. Uh, and yet at the same time, he has all these noble traits of like really taking care of this orphanage, uh, and taking care of all the, all the people in the community and all that. So, uh, cider house rules. All right, George, what is your number two? Uh, it's, uh, the swarm it's scientist uh, Brad oh, crane wow. from the swarm, the swarm. My number two is royalty, sir, Nigel powers from Goldmember. Uh, that's on my. <laughs> That's a, my honorable mention. Yes, the father of, uh, of course, Austin Powers, and also Kane uh, uh, was able to actually give a nod to his, as jo- Joseph put from his Alfie days, his super Cockney accent, even to where a scene where him and Mike Myers talk, where they have to have subtitles, what they're talking about. <laughs> in, in <laughs> I Cock- forgot about the Cockney that. accent, but you have the uh, the great lines like, "I'm uh, I hate people who are who are intolerant of other people and the Dutch." <laughs> In the Dutch. This is uh this is my number one. This oh, wow. is my number one. Oh, wow. So it makes a list. Uh nice. lots so of things happy. about this. I feel like this is the culmination of his career in many ways because there's so many references. Uh one of the things that is sort of cool, a little bit of trivia here, is that uh Mike Myers uh based his uh glasses uh for the character uh Austin Powers. Uh, and he wore them in all three movies uh, from uh, the the Ipcrest Files, 1965 movie that Michael Caine was in. So oh. Michael Caine showed up to the set wearing the original pair of glasses oh, with it. Cool. So so that's sort of cool there. You know, they have the footage 
uh, (laughs) uh, when they're doing a flashback and they use uh, Hurry Sundown, the 1967 film uh, that Michael Caine was in to show how, (laughs) you know, Dr. Evil (laughs) was taken away by uh, the evil evil Belgians or whatever. (laughs) So there's lots of things in this movie that was a nod to his career. So it became somewhat of a meta kind of thing. It was in my or is in my um, honorable mention. Yeah, so that's my number two. Uh, let's, let's move excellent. on back. To, oh, we are at number. Are we at the number two walking canes? Number two cane. What you got, Joseph? Okay, the number two walking cane. Uh, let's see. What do I have? Oh, it's Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. nice. My number two is Doctor House. So, George, what's your number two? My number two is Johnny Smith's cane from the Dead Zone. So Johnny Smith, played by Christopher Walken. He's this kind of mild-mannered high school teacher who gets in a car accident. It's it's based on the Stephen King uh, novel. Uh, he gets in a car accident. He's in a coma for years. When he wakes up from it, for some reason, he has psychic abilities that allow him to kind of look into the past or into the future by touching people or, or objects. And the But the car wreck crushed his leg, leaving him with this very pronounced limp. And uh, I went back and watched footage in preparation for this, I can't figure out which leg is supposed to be <laughs> hurt. <laughs> Cause I, I was like, Oh, I don't remember which leg I, I want to talk about it on, on, you know, the show. And I, I, I can't make any, <laughs> Pick a leg, any like, leg. <laughs> yeah. It, but but uh, l- listen to this. I, th- this is the part with the cane. He uh, is going to smash something. Here's Christopher Walken. Go, go ahead, Tom, Tom. Yeah. Now, don't give me any arguments. The ice is going to (laughs) break. Nice. And the ice does break and the the hockey team and all that stuff. Yeah, but the sun, the sun doesn't go. The sun stays behind. Spoiler. Because of, Uh, yeah. But uh, that's Christopher Walken's character trying to warn a father of the danger that he's placing his son in. Uh, and then he smashes this crystal vase for emphasis. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that cane. Uh, and it's what's so alarming about that scene or shocking is his character is so uh, in himself and, and very uh, concealed and, and everything. So that outburst, when it happens in the movie, it, it really just, uh, you, you jump because that up until then, the character has been very sedate and, to himself but uh johnny smith's cane in the dead zone there you go so that uh concludes the number two canes and we're on to number one michael Caine rolls um so joseph what you got uh, i already did mine george what you got so number one role for me uh this is the movie that sir michael Caine won an academy award we got best, the same number one george the best supporting actor Okay, we don't have the same number one, George. Or do we? But he but he was the main character. Oh, okay. That's we do have the same number one, George. It's it's Hannah and her sisters, right? Yes. It's Elliot. Michael, from Michael and her Kane sister. is Woody Allen, just like every actor who, who <laughs> <laughs> but he, Wilson is Woody Allen. <laughs> but in, in this, it's it's hilarious that the Academy doesn't recognize him as the main character, but he is the main character. The yes. story takes place between uh, two Thanksgivings you know, set, you know, in subsequent years, two years apart. And Michael Caine's character, again, Elliot, 
is married to Hannah, played by Mia Farrow, uh, and he becomes infatuated with one of Hannah's sisters, uh, Barbara, Barbara Hershey, uh, and has an affair with her. Um, but it's his, what I, the reason this is number one on my list, his vulnerability is really extraordinary in, in this movie. If you can put aside all the stuff about Woody Allen and, and everything, this is an Oscar worthy performance. There's only a few people that can play Woody Allen. Well, when you can, when you can't do it, you know, like you're, you're Jason Biggs, when you can, you're Michael Caine and Owen Wilson to me, you know, there's just, he tries, he yeah. tries people to play his character since he got older and you know michael kane probably was one of the first since it was 84 because yeah. woody allen was playing a character himself a- in the movie. 80, 86 i'm sorry yeah. but woody allen was also in the movie in fairness know. they might have filmed it in 84 i don't know <laughs> released it in 86 you know how but, those things uh go. as we know woody allen was kind of the the super uh neurotic in that movie with the brain uh tests and all that stuff uh but uh, michael kane yeah very realistic very uh like down-to-earth performance for him you know and we, this is coming off. This is before we have, of course, The Hand and all these other movies. Uh, blame it on Rios. <laughs> so this was good yeah. to see him get into uh, a, a good role. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Any honorable mentions from Michael Caine before we move to the the really a topic of the show? The I've, I've got a few. Um, I do too. Go, go ahead, Joseph. Okay. Uh, a personal one because we talked to the writer of this movie, uh, 2003 Secondhand Lions. Uh, this is with him and Robert Duvall, uh, Haley Joe Osment, uh, which is really good. Inception, 2010, playing the Miles character, yeah. educating Rita, I mentioned before. And uh, one of my personal favorites, I think it's all time wacky comedy, uh, Death Trap, uh, oh. 1982. So, oh, yeah. yeah, Christopher Reeve, yeah. yeah, that's a good one, yeah, and Diane Cannon. Uh, that, that's Adrian. actually on, on my honorable mention, that's a, a Sydney Lumet, um. Uh, Death trap. That's right. Uh, and very and then a uh, personal one for, uh, not a personal one, but uh, a personal favorite movie for George and me is uh, uh, The Prestige. Uh, oh, yeah. He plays Sean Cutter. Yeah. 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 So uh, that, that's, that's it. That's my well, list. Yeah. My, my list composed of some of those same things. John Cutter from The Prestige, uh, uh, Sidney Brule in Death Trap. Basically, any Christopher Nolan film. Yeah, I did like him as Alfred. That was made my own mission. Because he's in everything. Uh, One role that I really uh, is kind of a delicious role. He plays uh, Mortwell the Pimp in Mona Lisa with with Bob Hoskins. Y'all remember that? Uh, and he that he is just slimy. One of the bad, if I had room for another bad one, it would be Captain Mike Turner from Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, so uh, I, they're, I got, they're mine. One more in mind. I have to give him his his comic chops once again for the uh, miscongeniality. I thought he was good in that dealing with Sandra Bullock's butch, and he was kind of like the uh, the guy to get him get her in shape for the. Uh, yeah, the whole thing. So I did enjoy him in that too. So, all right. So Michael Caine is finished. We move over to walking canes. What is your number one walking King scene, Joseph? Uh, well, it's, I'm going to give the, the, the name of the film, uh, but uh, that would it, be helpful. Thank you. But, but this is what I'm saying with it. Okay. Which is the fact that uh, it's, it's more of a persona uh, and that is 1915. The Tramp. I'm talking oh, about yeah. Charlie yeah. Chaplin. This is my number one, too, there, Joseph. Uh, Charlie Chaplin on here. I mean, if you think about, like, just pasting a silhouette, you would see, like, Mickey Mouse. You would recognize that shape. And if you looked at 
Charlie Champlin's Tramp, you would recognize that the cane is right there. You know, so WC comedy produced with the cane, you know, exactly. Yeah. And Charlie Chaplin, you know, uh, was, you know, WC Fields sort of made comments about him being a ballerina more than a comedian because he was just so he was just so physical in his comedy. But it was it had the grace and all that. That cane, again, sort of like with Fred Astaire, uh, yeah. who, I, who I think was really sort of influenced uh, by Charlie Chaplin uh, to articulate movement and sound and mannerisms and all that. So uh, the tram 1915. That's yes. good. I just had Charlie Chaplin basically in general. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Basically yeah, yeah. in general. Yeah. You you're pick right. A movie, you mean you could pick that. You could pick the kid. You can pick exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the tramp was the tramp was the first time it was his sixth film, but it was the first time that the character of the tramp came and then he sort of used them, you know, for several others. Yeah. Okay. So I'll yeah. go with you there on that. And George, what is your number one? Uh, it would be the cane mutiny. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Raising also Kane's chicken from, fingers. <laughs> all, yeah. Also from 1971, Alex DeLarge's cane in a clockwork orange. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Alex played by Malcolm McDowell, constantly thwacking other members of his gang or droogs, if you will, Pete, Georgie, and Dim. But he's got this sword cane, okay? And it's this great, has this great walnut burl at the top and then beneath this brass and silver plate fittings and everything, all these decorated flourishes, royal coat of arms and everything. But when the fighting gets intense, he pulls off the top, revealing the stainless steel blade dagger thing for the bit of the old ultraviolence and Apparently his gang doesn't know it because he uses it on them at, at a point. That's right. Uh, he hides but, it behind his back. But uh, it is one of the most recognizable and kind of significant props from this uh, just wonderfully nasty and unbelievably controversial movie. Uh, yeah. Alex's cane. Uh, uh, honorable so mentions for canes. I yes. had, uh, I had Lord of the Rings, uh, Gandalf's thing. <laughs> it but is I, not I a cane. <laughs> it is Gandalf's walking stick. Well, it's a Mordor. No, it is a Mordor walking stick instead of a cane. If you if you read in, in Tolkien's original book, how he describes the stick is a thick uh, oak <laughs> uh, walking stick from the village, uh, which I uh, believe it was uh, uh, Bilbo Baggins uh, that left over from the uh, early days of the. Uh, Trilogy. So you did right, George. <laughs> just letting him I'm spool, sorry, George. Just letting him spool out and find <laughs> out how little he knows about any of it. Uh, but I didn't include it because it is a it is a staff. It is uh, a staff, so, like I said. Yeah. It is not a, an uh, another one, uh Great Gadsby. Um that that made my honorable mention. You had already mentioned uh, Fred Astaire, uh and the uh, Goblin King's cane, uh, David Bowie in Labyrinth. Uh, Jimmy and Henson finally, uh, Matt Murdock's cane, his blind cane from Daredevil. Uh, actually, has uh, Marvel yeah, Comics episode uh, issue 38. <laughs> <laughs> Daredevil meets Spider Man. All right. So Joseph, go ahead. Just uh, Lucius Malfoy from Harry Potter. Oh, nice. Uh, a minor character, but sort of a cool character because we only saw uh, Taylor Kish in one of the X-Men's 
movies. And that was oh, Remy LeBeau uh, from the X-Men's origin Wolverine, yeah. where he yeah. has this cane that does really cool things with it. Right. Uh, and uh, Christopher Walken comes back again uh, with a view to a kill oh, where yeah. he has yeah. the cane that, that has like this like little remote that, that he like, rigs horse racing by like pressing this remote that gives the, the horse a steroid injection yeah. <laughs> like convoluted thing ever uh with it no, that's and then real. That's uh a real to thing. Be mr bond uh what you're, what you're and, noticing is a steroid injection <laughs> when the and, race let's go we got we got four canes already we got dr house's cane, uh, cane john hammond you're forgetting our new segment Oh, where Joseph. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry there, Joseph. Apologizes to the world. Do your apology, Joseph. What are, what are you doing? Are you going to I'm just, I'm just oh. lamenting. I'm just <laughs> lamenting. It's an emotional buildup right now. Uh, as our new part of we're sorry we suck uh we are going all the way i don't agree to that title (laughs) we're going all the way back to episode 11 for the best worst dystopias thomas terrell writes in and says botch you blew it you talk about all these dystopias in cinema and you forget the original Metropolis from 1927. Oh. You never mention it. This is grave Fritz error. Lang. This is Fritz Lang's like magnum opus. The film itself, you know, led to all other types of dystopian views and perspectives. Uh, and and we didn't we 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 didn't mention it. So uh, sorry, Thomas. Uh, we'll try better. Yes, I, I like how uh, Joseph is apologizing for stuff before Nebulor came onto the show. <laughs> this this might be this might work after all. You know, <laughs> I was skeptical, but I like that he <laughs> that he has to clean up. You know, that that is a good point though. Metropolis. I'm sticking by my picks, and I'm sticking by my salad picks too on that episode too. That is a pristine episode. One? Yeah. Oh, salad that's the toppings. one where we we get into a debate about the croutons. I think, yeah. uh, did he <laughs> say people are turning off this episode right now to go listen to that? I, one? I think <laughs> he, was just so, he was just so turned off that you guys missed <laughs> metropolis. He wasn't even thinking salad at the time. Mm, God knows okay. what happened to the future because of this. So hopefully uh, this helps. <laughs> all right. So all right, let, let's so, come yeah. back around. Uh, Jim, we got four that are in the canister for canes, uh, walking canes. Dr. House's cane, you and I agree on. The Willy yeah. Wonka cane, that was you and I. Uh, Jurassic Park's John Hammond's cane, that, that was, that was uh, yeah. Joseph and you. And then the tramp. or that was Joseph and I, too. Looks like I'm ba- You got four out of five, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, five so, out of five when you pick uh, uh, Mr. Glass. <laughs> so yeah, the, I, yeah we're, not, <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, I think both George and I are going to coup. I think the cane that needs to go in, it needs to be, uh, and I, and I will. It's a gimmer stick. It's not a cane. It's a gimmer, it can't go yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> I, no gimmer I think sticks it allowed. needs to be something that that's flashy. So either Ruby Rods or Alex uh, from Clockwork Orange, something uh, that just 
really I like I, I, I like Clockwork Orange. I totally forgot about that one. If I would have thought about it, it would definitely been on my list. So I'm good with that. You don't want to go with you, comedy you with uh, Young Frankenstein? I mean, that's pretty good. That see, but that's a callback. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's tough. I know. Uh, you know, Con- it, it's technically uh, uh, Alex Large Cane's not even a cane. It's a sword disguised as a cane. That's a cane. Sword. <laughs> you're gonna get. Who, who you're else? Gonna get, okay. Who, who, who else's right cane has a sword in it? Tell me which one. Nobody's. Well, that that you know of. Ruby <laughs> Rod has a microphone in his. I, okay, take him out. I'm just going for a pure <laughs> cane here. Or gimmer stick, a pure cane or gimmer stick. <laughs> you better watch yourself because I will put gimmer stick in there. So. <laughs> hey, I'd rather have the gimmer stick than the sword because that's a sword. That's not a cane. Joseph, what do you say? You get the final say on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a cane. It's a sword. I understand you have to go with. It's more of a cane than a sword. He does walk around with it. It's part of his outfit. But this happens to have an else, extra what sword other cane in it. here. What other cane? Just answer this question. What other cane on our list has a sword in it? <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody has a sword in it. The answer is nobody. Okay, so it has to be its primary purpose has to be. <laughs> I'm just saying walking. it can't be a it can't be a, it can't be a dual thing. So the microphone oh, the sword my head hurts. Since, since my head yeah. hurts. <laughs> So I would go with uh, either Orson Welles or Dead Zone or Yoda. That's me. Just do Dead Zone. (laughs) Dead Zone it is. Dead Zone it is. (laughs) Okay. Michael Caine rules. The ones that make it uh, for the bad rule of Brad Crane, not Caine, in the swarm, uh, Elliot and Hannah and her sisters. And I think everybody is pleased that Nigel Powers, Nigel Powers. makes it in. Um, I can't do uh, Matthew Hollis just on principle, on blaming on Rio. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I, I do like Jim's uh, Scrooge for, for the Muppets. I like uh, Alfie too, since that was the first. I thought you guys would definitely go double up on that one. So I just so Alfie and, and Scrooge or uh, Wiki Witness. Hatch. No, no. Wait, we got <laughs> this. We got the swarm. Hannah, we got four. Sister. We just need one we more. Reach just just point the show where we're in the tunnel. We can either go back and play the game, or we can escape. <laughs> we can win, this, George. Jim's oh. making a play for victory. That's sort of a surprise. I start three. I'm, I'm not doing victory. No, no. Okay, I mean, the, it's a it's a good roll, but he. I'm I'm not Scrooge. It is All Scrooge. Right, it is that's a oh, humbug. List. All right, so uh, the swarm, Hannah and her sisters, Muppets, Christmas Carol, and Austin Powers' father. And so I, can I just Alfie. point out that Jim got four out of five on both categories? This is Jim's show. Like, what are we even doing here, George? We just need a, that is I've asked to myself that question my, my <laughs> so <entries>. many times. <laughs> yeah. You're here to. <laughs> George is here for the nerd jokes. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm my that's my demographic is the nerds. People people that can read. Jim is Jim is here for the illiterates. I don't know what you're here for, Joseph. I I, I haven't I figured that out. I'm I'm here I to apologize. One summer I read 147 books. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're the you're the one we we found yes, your niche. I did. 
apologizing. No, I would hold on, hold on. It was a, it was thirty six books and four novellas. The ice <laughs> is gonna break. Go ahead, now you uh, pissed off Christopher Walken. Let's wrap this up, walking. George. Let's wrap this up. All right, I got the camera. <laughs> All right, CrispyCodeRobots.com is where you need to go for all the information. Remember, there's always tomorrow. Tomorrow, really? Is that a really question we should ask ourselves? Is there a wisdom? I read a book about tomorrow by Aldous Huxley. It was very interesting. I had Enough! My, I had my humor stick. <laughs>